0: The wind, that is what I was scared of as a child. Thankfully, I grew up in Florida, not Iowa in the fall, or else I would have lived a terrifying childhood. There was no rationale behind this fear. I was never traumatized by the wind. I think it all came, really, from watching The Wizard of Oz just a little too young, fearing that the wind might blow me too away like it did Dorothy. I remember as a four-year-old looking out our glass back door to the yard as I watched the trees sway, the swings on the swing set move with no one in them, really wanting to go outside to play, but wondering if it was really worth the risk. It's pretty silly looking back on it now. Childhood fears, they're all like that, aren't they? They're irrational. They make no sense. Don't try explaining a fear away to a child. It won't happen. They're all about the fear of the unknown and the vulnerability that is required when we face that which is unknown. I mean, who really does know? Maybe the wind would blow hard enough that it could blow me to Oz or at least to the next-door neighbor's yard. Is it really worth the risk? Now, in our scripture today, we find Joshua gathered with the Israelites, standing a lot like four-year-old me, looking out the window before them as they see across the Jordan River the beauty and all the life that is to come. But they are unsure if they can make it across, if they can muster enough courage to enter into this land. The land for them is abundance. It is what God had promised. It's what they had been journeying for for years. They finally arrived and now as they stand on the threshold, all they have to do is step forward and take it. Enter into God's promise, but this step brings on a whole new set of fears. After all, Moses, the one who had led them out of Egypt, is now dead. It is Joshua's calling to take them into the land, but can Joshua do it? And what if the land is not as great as it was promised? What if it's all really just a lie, a trick from a conniving God? What if we've come this far only to be disappointed? Soon the Israelites will send out spies into the land to see if it really is what they have been told. And they'll come back with reports of beauty and abundance, better than all the stories they had heard, but also stories of giants and other terrors that await them. It's not worth it, some will say. Just stay here in the wilderness. We've come this far. This is a great place. Let's live here. Abundance is not worth The risk. last week as a part of the litany that we heard read to us were words from Brene Brown in her book, Daring Greatly. And I kind of wish I could just stand up here today and just read to you from this book. It would be much better than any sermon I could ever preach. The book is a result of decades of her research in which she interviewed hundreds of people about their experiences with vulnerability and joy. I won't read the whole thing, though I could, but I'll read a little. She writes, in a culture of deep scarcity, of never feeling safe, certain, and sure enough, joy can feel like a setup. We wake up in the morning and we think, work is going well. Everyone in the family is healthy. No major crises are happening. The house is still standing. I'm working out, and I'm feeling good. Oh, beep. This is bad. This is really bad. Things are so good. disaster must be lurking around the corner. Now Brown tells the story of a woman who lived this way. She met her when she was in her 40s. The woman said, "I used to take every good thing and imagine the worst possible disaster." I would literally picture the worst case scenario and try then to control all the outcomes. When my daughter got into the college of her dreams, I just knew something bad would happen to her if she moved that far away. So I spent the entire summer before she left trying to convince her to just stay home, go to a local school. It crushed her confidence. And took the fun out of her last summer, it was a painful lesson for me. Now I cross my fingers, stay grateful, pray, and try as hard as I can to push the bad images out of my mind. Unfortunately, I've passed that way of thinking down to my daughter. She's increasingly afraid to try new things, especially when life is going well. She says she doesn't want to tempt fate. A man in his 60s told Brown, I used to think that the best way to go through life was to expect the worst. That way, if it happened, you were prepared, and if it didn't happen, you were surprised. Then, well, then I was in a car accident. My wife beside me was killed. Needless to say, expecting the worst did not prepare me at all. And worse, I still grieve for all those wonderful moments we shared that I never fully enjoyed. My commitment now to her is to fully enjoy life's every moment. I just wish she was here now that I know how to do that. <clears throat> all these stories, they, they, they kind of get to us. They, they, they break our hearts a little because they are so real. This is life. This is what we do all the time. It's easier to live disappointed, Brown writes, than it is to feel disappointed. It's easier to live disappointed than to actually feel disappointed. It feels more vulnerable to dip in and out of disappointment than to just set up your camp there. You sacrifice joy, but you might suffer less pain. Now, I grew up in a Christian faith that was full of, of fear. We always feared God. Feared God would be disappointed with us. Fearing God would send us to hell if we didn't believe the right thing or do the right thing or worship the right way. I remember being terrified as a kid of hell more than I was of the wind. And there wasn't really a a way to get over that fear. You could try to get it right but then you always wondered if you missed something. Now hopefully you didn't grow up with the dysfunction that I did, but it explains a little about me, I guess. But even still, even without that dysfunction, we have a hard time separating fear and faith. They seem to go hand in hand for us. We go to church just in case. Better safe than sorry, right? Now, maybe you've seen the info about pub theology, this event we're having next Tuesday. The idea of talking about theology over a beer at the bar and grill down the street seems kind of scandalous, doesn't it? It's okay to talk about football in such a setting. That doesn't seem right to talk about God. Wouldn't God be upset? Because the faithful we were taught are the ones who are the most chaste, the most reserved, the prudish, and the proper. The heathens, they're the reckless and the risk takers who live life simply for joy. Some of the most joyless people I've ever met happen to be Christians. And some of the most fake and hypocritical people I've met also happen to be Christians. And this is no accident. Brene Brown's research shows that the most joyful moments in people's lives were the times they were the most real and vulnerable. Times like giving birth. Falling in love, loving your job, getting engaged, going into remission, just being happy, being exposed brings joy. Joy and vulnerability are tied together inseparably. And this is why abundance is so fearful. Because to really experience joy, you have to expose yourself, open your heart, and be vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, that means you could be hurt, and hurt deeply. And yet only when you are open and vulnerable can you experience joy like no other. Now, it took some time, by the way, for me to get over my fear of the wind, and it did not happen rationally. Somewhere along the way, someone found the fix. A white hat. I would wear the hat... And as long as I had the hat on, I could go outside. I could muster up the courage to face the wind. It made no sense at all, but with my hat, I could go on walks around the neighborhood. I could ride my tricycle down our steep driveway. With that hat, I could face my fear. Now, God said, only be strong and courageous. God did not say, be perfect. God did not say never mess up. God did not say have no fear at all. Just be strong and courageous. And sometimes getting out of bed in the morning is strong and courageous. Sometimes letting your daughter go away to college, that's what strong and courageous looks like. Sometimes knowing the worst could happen and yet risking it anyway is strong and courageous. Sometimes being strong and courageous is putting on your white hat, pulling enough courage over your head that the vulnerability of life seems manageable. And taking that step out to face your fear. Now there's one way of telling the story of life, a story that's all about scarcity. There's not enough, there is so much to fear, it's not worth the risk. You better live right or there will be hell to pay. But there is another story. It's a story that begins poetically in a garden filled with God's abundance. An abundance that is squandered when the serpent convinces humanity that what they have is not enough. And that God, well God is someone to fear, not to trust. The serpent's tongue later speaks through Pharaoh and then through others time and again. But there is another voice that speaks as well. All throughout the story, do not be afraid, the voice says. 365 times, in fact, someone counted, God tells humanity, do not be afraid. Only be strong and courageous. Occasionally someone hears, someone listens and learns to sing. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But more often than not, humanity closes in on itself in fear. Then one day in a barn, to a fearful young woman, God decides to enter the world as a baby. A baby they named Jesus. Maybe then, God thinks, once I enter the vulnerability of their skin, maybe then they will know there is nothing to fear. Jesus grows up and goes all around, overcoming fears of demons and devils, showing people that disease and death ultimately have no power. Everywhere Jesus goes, spreading the love and joy. I have come that you may have life, he says, and have it abundantly. But it sounds too good to be true. Life Cannot be that good. God cannot love like that. God cannot love people like that. And so, in fear, we kill him. But three days later, he steps out of the grave, the most fearful place of all, and says one more time, do not be afraid. Amen.